Welcome to Comet Talk, a production of the Bishop Kelly Happy Hour Laboratory, where we share our class of 1974 stories. Hello, I'm your host, Barry Williams, and I'd like to give a special thanks to our co-producers, John Addison and Jim Reed. Our guest for this episode of Comet Talk lives in Tulsa. Welcome to Tanya Ballone. Hello, Tanya. How are you today? I'm wonderful, Barry. Thank you for asking. Thank you for having me on the show. Tell me, what's going on for you today? For me today and this week, well, it's a holiday weekend, thank you. And so going to be just hanging out here at the house with no plans, which is something that, you know, my life is pretty planned out. And so uh, just going to chill at home. Got a lot of uh, parties to go to, which I love, party girl still. And going to do some grilling and be out with friends and so just kind of kind of chill. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. So <laughs> speaking of grilling, here's a change up pitch question that some of our listeners have asked me to kind of uh, add some some levity to the to the moment. What is your favorite hamburger place in Tulsa? <laughs> oh wow, that would be. So I guess I'd have to say Brownies. And uh, we'll we'll just go up the path here for just a second and tell you that the guy who used to own that was Bill Bowen. And when Bill Bowen came to Tulsa, he was just a skinny kid looking for a place to work. He went to work for my uncle's restaurant, which was a barbecue place over on 11th Street called Troy's Barbecue. It was there for a long time, just right down from the stadium there at TU. I got a tickle in my throat, so we're going to have to do something with that. So Bill Bowen came to work for my uncle, learned all the ropes. My uncle had, you know barbecue ribs and those type of things, coleslaw, all that stuff that goes on, and taught Bill all that he knew, and Bill took out on his own, sprung some wings, and built that hamburger stand there at 21st and Harvard, and come to find out, he, uh, and we're not going to bring in any uh, legality here, but his uh, coleslaw recipe was exactly the same as my uncle's and it was kind of like mm, no I don't think so so anyway he had to change his up just a little bit so that famous coleslaw there I don't even know if it's still being used that particular recipe but anyway that's how Bill Bowen got his start so I would have to say that brownies hamburgers is probably the best place but you know Bill has since passed away so I haven't been back since I know everybody loves claws on uh, pure, yeah. <laughs> but I've never enjoyed that. So let's just say that um, I miss a lot of the places that we used to have, big mics and those type of things. So, and we all know that a greasy hamburger is not good for the arteries. So therefore, no, I don't eat any more hamburgers. So there's my answer. Well. I I love that answer because there's a sec there's a follow up question to that. So my wife and I like to go to a uh, there's a lo local hamburger place here and they they name hamburgers after people. So like they have the Brad Sham, which is the guy who's the voice of the Dallas Cowboys on KRLD, <clears throat> and he's probably syndicated out there. They have the HL Hunt, which is a a, a big investor, big guy in the Dallas Dallas area. So if <clears throat> there's going to be a Tanya Balone hamburger, what would be in it? Oh, definitely jalapenos, because I am spicy. <laughs> Any special meat? Uh, well, definitely now and where I'm sitting in my life, it has to be organic, grass-fed. <laughs> so make sure that it's organic. 
organic and grass-fed. Well, I guess that 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 kind of puts it uh, solidly in the healthy category. In the healthy category. Would yes. it be turkey or would it be regular regular beef? No, it would be ground beef. Ground beef. Okay. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's great. So, uh, somewhere, someplace, you're going to have to introduce the Tanya Balone. Maybe at your own house when you're you're out grilling and chilling and uh, go. It'll be a surprise to everybody who has a chance to eat it. Great, great, great answer. So, uh, other than a hamburger, what is the best sandwich? Do you think the best? Oh my stars, Reuben, hands down, love the Reuben. Ah, is it the sauerkraut? Yes, it is the sauerkraut. So here's another here's another curveball. <clears throat> what in your house do you really need to throw away now? Oh, are you serious? I have to say that I have this house here. You well, you've seen my house. It's got a lot of stuff in it, and that's what I have is a lot of stuff. I have no children here. I have no no other adult here. So I have five people stuck. I have lots of stuff. So I always say to myself, I really should start my death cleaning. And then I think, no, sometimes I open that cabinet and I look at that and I think, oh, that brings me joy. So I'm just going to close the cabinet and go out and have a month instead of cleaning. And then I think to myself, you know what? You guys clean this and throw away what you wish after I'm gone. I'm just going to leave it right there. So you're just taking Mar- a Marie Kondo and putting her on the shelf and just said, I'm putting her on the shelf. Yeah, she's out of here. So Marie, forget it. You know, everything brings me joy. So get out of here. Yeah. She very does not she does not influence my life whatsoever. Very very cool. Well, I tell you, um, it's 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 fun to have these conversations. Um, so one of the the things that we we really like to do is kind of kick around in the past a little bit. Um, so as we think about your Kelly years, and in our listening audience, what what would you like to share about your your Kelly years? And it might even be some of the years that led up to Kelly. Well, you know, I started out at Saint pa- at Saint Mary's and then went to St. Pius, and then went to Bishop Kelly. And what I love most, I guess the overarching thing, do I remember anything specifically? Maybe Mrs. Evans going, Tonya, go to the office, go to the office. She was always sending me to the office. I don't know why, but I always went to the office. I don't know what I did, but anyway. So I, I just, I remember maybe, and I really don't, I get it mixed up. I don't know. It was, I think, his name was, well, his last name was Dilger. What was his first name that we went to high school with? Do you remember? No, we were no, in no. Mr. Heckenkemper's class. Uh, ge- geometry? I don't know. Did he teach algebra and geometry? We were in class together. And it was talking about the uh, odds of people having the same birthdays. And he always, he and I always had the same birthday. So he would always look at me in every class, every time. So, because we do have the same birthday. I just can't remember if his name was Tom. Uh, Nancy Bishop always says, no, Tanya, that's not right. But I don't know if it's right or not. But anyway, uh, we had the same birthday. And so I don't necessarily have any specific memories of teachers, except for Mrs. Evans. And some of the things that we were mean and we did to the teachers, ooh, like uh, Sister Regatta, somebody wrote on the board, Sister Regatta sucks, and she walks in the room, and she said, yes, I suck hard candy, and we all got in trouble. Every single girl in the class got in trouble, and Coach Driggs gave us all suspension and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we were hellcats in those classrooms, and I I experienced that now with my students, and I think to myself, dang, how did I, 
how did I do that? And so it's it's retribution for sure, is that my students do some very odd things too. And I think, oh, Tanya, this is what you get for being uh, mean to the teachers. Although I don't think I was mean because I remember Coach uh, Hayes saying, thanks for corralling these girls in Oklahoma history. Without you, I don't think that I could have handled them. So, I don't know, but uh, I just love the, uh, so I started off with St. Mary and St. Pius, and I have run still with those girls from Pius, and it's been, you know, way over 50 years that we've been friends, intricately involved in one another's lives with parents dying and husbands dying and things like that. So, I just believe that being put in that situation was absolutely the next segue into your life after going to parochial, uh, what do you call it, middle school or whatever we called it, uh, and segue right into Bishop Kelly. It was like a, a given. Yeah, that's where I go. And absolutely enjoyed every minute that I was there. And I do have to say that if I ever said anything to you or to anyone else in school and it offended you in any way, I apologize. I was not meaning hurtful and being a teenager was rough. And I think sometimes I deal with that as far as adults too, that maybe are still a little bit adolescent. They are still acting that way now. And so I do have to say that I loved my years at Bishop Kelly. I loved everything about it. I preach going to Bishop Kelly and I do CPR there and I do a lot of things that, uh, throughout my life that supports that school because I think it's a great way to get an education and to jump up into the Catholic community and remain tight with people that you may never see again or you see on a sporadic basis or you see all the time. It doesn't matter. There's just a bond there and I really appreciated that bond and that support that I had while I went there. Thank you for your heart for all the students, all your your classmates. It was beautiful to hear you say your, give your mea culpa. <laughs> and I know it came from the heart. I know it wasn't just uh, something that you were just saying. By the way, you had mentioned Oklahoma history. Do you have a favorite class that you can recall at Bishop Kelly? Oh, gosh, I really, I really, I could tell you the one that, that I struggled with the most was uh, Spanish with Mrs. Burns when she'd come in on the, on the little speaker in our ear whenever we were in the recording room and just tell me that I wasn't doing anything right. I learned a lot in that class, but I just thought, dang, do you have to come in and listen to me all the time? Uh, maybe she was just saying, uh, checking on me to make sure I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I probably wasn't, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed everything. I think that we had, as far as I did some plays and I did some readings and that kind of stuff, I really and truly loved them all. I can remember being, I don't know how I got to be a teacher's aide or whatever in, in the boys' home ec class. That was the highlight of my, my career was be, hanging out with all the guys in that uh, uh, class with, I think it was Miss Kimball. Well, that that's uh, interesting. I, I didn't even remember there was a boys' home ec class, but uh, yeah, I, I, there's lots I don't remember, so does it, does it really surprise me? So was there an activity that you really cherished uh, oh my goodness our senior year the talent show i did bob and the bobettes i was bob because nobody else wanted to be um the guy 
and I went, I had a friend that I was friends with. Um, he was a football player at TU. He and uh, Debbie McAfee and I ran around with him. And I went and got his letter jacket and I put a hat on and uh, some glasses and I wore some high top tennis shoes and jeans. I think they were high tops. And we did Bob and the Bobettes and we did uh, Rock Around the Clock and Lip Synced that song. And all the girls that were with me had guitars and they pretended to play the guitars. And then they went out to the audience and grabbed some dads and did the jitterbug there at the gym. Your face doesn't look like you remember that, but <laughs> that was absolutely so much fun. And it's on in our yearbook as a picture. And I, uh, I was at the grocery store one time. <laughs> aren't you the, aren't you the one that played the boy in, uh, the senior talent show? I said, yes, yes, I was. <laughs> I was. That was so much fun. So much fun rehearsing that. And everybody came to my house and we rehearsed it. It was so much fun. And I love the senior talent show with Tucker uh, O'Connor doing his little tea thing. That was fun. And listening to, I think her name was Allison. I don't remember. Oh, Eileen. Sorry, Eileen. And her singing. It was the senior talent show was the bomb.com for sure. What, was that not Eileen Williams? Eileen Williams, yes, it yes. was. Yeah, she had long, long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And her, she had and a her great voice. voice. Was beautiful. Yeah, great voice, great voice. So that senior talent show was amazing. You know, so I, I understand. I understand uh, that. I guess in in the future footsteps of of programs like that, that Kelly now has a drama department and a, a performing stage and all that kind of stuff. So that's a that's really a applause to them uh, for. Yeah, they um, have a fabulous fabulous drama club and those plays are top notch and that little theater is absolutely so much fun to go to have you been there to plays oh yeah yeah uh, the connection with marquette and some of the girls that went through marquette that went to kelly and uh they did uh she played she worked for my daughter as a after school worker and so that's how the, the connection was there. So she always would invite my youngest daughter, Tori, to come and see her at the play. And Tori would always drag me along as well to listen to the play. And so she played Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. It's just a fantastic program. And we would, and that theater is just so quaint. And so you always run into people you know. So it's always a good time. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about your Kelly years before we take a break? I could tell you some things that would curl your hair that I got in trouble for, but we probably shouldn't go there. So yeah, no, I'm 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 good. Well, that's great because my hair is pretty curly, so it, it would be off the off the charts, evidently. But well, before we go off the rails, we're going to go off to a little break. And uh, so, uh, if you, everybody who's listening, just hang on for a little while. We'll be back after we take take a short break. Welcome back to Comet Talk. Hi, this is Barry Williams with my guest, 
Tanya Ballone, and we're talking about everything Bishop Kelly in our lives. Thank you again, Tanya, for being here. Absolutely a pleasure. So I've got a, I got a little zinger question for you before we, we get into the post-Kelly years. And uh, what is your superpower? Absolutely have to say that you need a nurse to save your life. I'm a nurse, and therefore, that's my superpower. I have impacted a lot of lives, and just with that thought. In addition, not to jump ahead, but just to say that I had a 17-year career in the emergency room. My legs hurt when I got home. When I got up in the morning, my legs hurt. I thought, man, I maybe should just back off just a little bit and stop running so much. So an education job came up. And so I started teaching education and I would teach the nurses and I would teach the ultrasound techs and the peripheral vascular techs. And I would just teach various subjects. And then all of a sudden I thought, you know what? There's not anything I love more than the, this planet is nursing. How can I impact? I'm impacting it here, yes. But how can I impact it more? thought to myself, I could teach nursing. So that's what I am. Now I've got a dual sub superpower. I'm an educator and I'm a nurse. So, I mean, every day I put my feet on the floor thinking, thanking God that I get to do what I do. The follow-up uh, question for that is that, you know, every superhero derives its power from something. Like Superman derives his power from the sun. Uh, Spider-Man got his power from a, from a radioactive spider bite. And Wonder Woman... Uh, receives her power from Aphrodite, uh, a mythical Greek god. So, Tanya, where do you receive your power from? I have to say uh, coffee is number one. And then I'd have to say that um, I really think that my faith just kind of keeps me going and keeps me grounded and lets me know that uh, I make a difference. And I think that the Holy Spirit has given me the, this gift, and so that's what I'm running with. That's what keeps me going. Everybody, if they were in tune with the Holy Spirit, it would definitely uh, not only keep them happy and, and laughing, because he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, but, definitely uh, a great sense of humor. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can tell you. Well, so I'm glad you're not Nurse Jackie. Uh, I'm glad you're Nurse Tanya Ballone, because uh, Nurse Jackie paints a really, really challenging picture of a, of a career uh, in in nursing. But one that is very real. It's sad to say, but some that are very real. I'm sure so, there probably were some Nurse Jackies that you met. Uh, in, in I, your, in I have met career. a few Nurse Jackies. Very frightening. Yeah. Very absolutely. frightening. We kind of kind of launched on this uh, uh, kind of fun question at the, be at the beginning, but this, this segment, we're going to really talk a little bit about your post-Kelly years. And uh, yeah, what led you it led you into nursing? Uh, kind of where you went to college, and any other things you'd like to sh uh, share in this journey that uh, built the Tanya Ballone that we know today. My mom was a nurse. My mom went to school very late in life. She became an LPN, and she worked at Hillcrest in the rehab center. And I would go and visit her, and she'd come home with stories and. I just decided that that was something that I wanted to do too. And of course, I have to, have to say that uh, I don't consider myself a, I'll just say I consider myself to be somewhat of a knowledgeable person, but my mom kind of laughed and she said, oh, <laughs> I'll believe that you can be a nurse uh, when you bring me the sheepskin. I'm thinking, oh, okay, great. Because I was so challenging as a teenager 
we had a class there at Kelly, and we had to write down and give a speech about what we wanted to do whenever we graduated or what did we want to do with our lives. Not that we would even know what we wanted to do, but I wanted to be a nurse. And I knew from a very young age there in the high school that I wanted to be a nurse, despite what my mom had uh, planted. Maybe that was just something for her to dig me to make make me uh, work even harder at it. So when I got out of Kelly, I wanted to go to uh, St. John's Nursing School, and they closed it that year. So I thought, well, that's not going to work. So uh, I applied to TU. It was rather cost prohibitive, but I paid my way through to you myself. I got a job down at was then osteopathic hospital, was a unit secretary, and I would go to classes and then go there and work. So I've always been a 311 kind of girl. I don't usually get up early. I always uh, stay up late. So I went to nursing school and I went to, after I graduated, I went to the emergency room and in six months I was the charge nurse on 3 to 11 of the emergency room. I learned so much there. I, I, I would, not to pump myself up, but uh, I'm a really great nurse. And it's, and it's all because of the exposure to so many things that I have done as far as my experiences there. I led a EMT group to where a severed finger was so that they could find the finger and bring it in by ambulance because the man was there, but his finger was not. So in order to put the finger back on, you've got to have the finger. So over the radio, I told them where to find the man's finger. So that was kind of an interesting thing. And I've just had a lot of experiences there being in that uh, so close to the lake, so close to downtown that I just learned had a terrific amount of exposure to a lot of things in the emergency room there. So it made me a very well-rounded, I am a, a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And so then I had a, a child and I wanted that child to uh, be in the very best possible daycare that, that, that they could because I wasn't going to stop working. I have the opinion that babies don't need you at home. Teenagers need you at home. So I worked for, while my kids were little. I moved to St. John, which was more of a cardiac focus for me. So I learned a lot about people, cardiac problems and that kind of stuff. So that trauma was my first love. Trauma is my, still my first love. And then I went and cardiac, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my love, but I know a whole lot about it, forcefully so. I think that doing that has propelled me onto a trajectory of a healthy lifestyle and what does that mean and can I do it for myself? And so that's, you know, my mantra now for the for the future for me. Yeah, you know, today there's a lot of talk about um, student loans and and people uh, having to pay for their schooling. You mentioned that you, you work through your schooling. So was uh, University of Tulsa, did you have to have loans and all that kind of stuff? Or were you able to, to work and pay? I, I, I did have student loans and I paid them off. And I, I think it was just like two days ago that I finished paying them off because <laughs> it seemed like it was a lot. But um, it took me a while to, uh, to pay it off. Well, the so, reason yes, I, 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 I ask you that question 
is I, I was uh, in a, some meetings with a lady that I met for the first time who is a nurse practitioner in an ICU here in the Dallas area. And she told me that, that she's been paying over $1,000 a month on her her, Absolutely. on her bills of her student loans. And she now owes more money now than when she graduated just because of the interest rate. Oh, the interest rates are horrible. And so we go back and forth about, you know, my daughter graduated from the University of Tulsa. My absolute love was to, or my, my carrot that I put in front of me was that I would get my education and become a nurse and I worked and then I got that little caveat in the back of my head that said Tanya do do more let's do some so I went to OU and got my master's of science in nursing and nursing education my dream job would have been to go to TU and teach but you know you had to die or get killed in order to get a job there because nobody ever left in the nursing department so finally I got a phone call and someone said, hey, we've got an opening. I'll have to tell you more about that story in just a second. But you could have your children go to TU with no tuition, that the school would pay the tuition for anybody who worked there, which was a blessing. But the first year was half and then anything else if they wanted to live in the dorm or whatever. And so my youngest racked up a big bill but it's not the bill that was bad. It was the interest that was horrible. Some of it's 11.25%. It's absolutely ridiculous and has definitely created a hardship for her and she's still paying on them. So I, I think that that is, do I want to go back and get my doctorate? Yeah. But do I want to spend $80,000 doing it? Is that on this end of the stick? Is that going to be worth it for me? I think that we're got some of our priorities misaligned. So anyway, that's that. You obviously have had a had a, a career building on past experience, uh, starting out in the emergency room, it sounded like, and then continuing on. Uh, you know, there are some that say that the emergency room folks uh, get a high uh, from the pace. And so transitioning to a different kind of uh uh, activity within the same career is is challenging. Did, did you have that similar challenge? Uh, I did from the standpoint of when I called somebody, it was always, I need this now or I needed this five years ago. And so it was always, you know, I'm on it. And so when I asked for something, whatever I asked for, somebody went and got or somebody went and, and brought somebody or brought something to me or whatever. So it was always very immediate. And then when I moved into academia, well, we'll get back with you. We can't take care of that now, but I'll find somebody that can answer that question for you and get back to you. I thought, what? Why can't you answer me now? Or why can't you do this now? So I did have a really hard time accepting, you know, we'll get back with you. Or, no, I didn't see your email or whatever. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So that instantaneous and spontaneity, the immediacy of a lot of things, just kind of went out the window when I changed jobs <laughs> into education. So I had to adjust to that. So I always think to myself that this is what you do for a living. Step it up. <laughs> There's a lot of us out there that have a big, a high expectation that you, this is your job and you know you should know what to do in a week or two or a month, 
is too long for us to wait for your answer. In, in your current role, if you would mind explaining that just briefly, I have a, a follow-up question to that. So would you explain what you do today? Yeah, but I, I would want to make sure that I, I told you how important my faith is to me. And I was OU, absolutely loved OU, uh, lived close to OU, was just a short drive to work. And if I needed to run home at lunch, I could do that while I was teaching. And at the end of my youngest, I guess it may be April before she graduated, she came in and she said, Mom, I want to go to TU for college. I said, oh, no, sister. We Number one, we can't afford going to TU. And you're going to Arkansas and be up there with your brother so you'll have family up there so you guys can go together because they're close in age. And she said, no, no, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to TU. And then she got an acceptance letter to TU. And I'm just like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? And then that is when I got that call from that faculty member. And she said, we've got an opening here. I applied for that job and I got that job. So I just have to say again, the power of the Holy Spirit said, I know, Tanya, you're not going to finish at OU, grow old there. You're going to go to TU. And there must be something that I need to do while I was there at TU. And so that was a very fun field and, again, knowledge-gaining period in my life. So I went and taught at TU for a very long time. I was at my alma mater. I knew the curriculum. It was just, you know, perfect place for me. And then I taught there and impacted a lot of lives. Don't get me wrong from the standpoint of thinking that, People don't treasure what they're doing. They really, they do treasure it, the education, but they really want you to bring your spoon with you and kind of spoon fit me along. I don't need to know the foo-foo stuff. I just want to know what's on the test so I can pass the test and get on with the next thing. But that's not the way nursing is. It's an application thing. And you can't just say, oh, I don't know anything about that. I missed that day at school. It's not like that. So, I mean, you can read the book and you can practice the skill, but whenever you're in the patient's room, you've got to know your stuff. So all of that time that you weren't listening with your ears and singing with your eyes and using your hands, that's going to come back to bite you. And so uh, I, I prided myself on trying to make a complex topic become simple. And that's my, that's my gift that I have to the students is that I can take something. And I've had a lot of sorority sisters say, you know, your mom is just a great teacher. She makes it so simple whenever she does an explanation. So I put that in my cap and count that as a feather. I decided that, again, maybe I should uh, take early retirement. They were offering early retirement at TU. A lot of transitions there happen in there at TU. Uh, some some glad, some sad. But uh, so I decided I was going to take early retirement. I listened to a, a little thing that Forrest uh, Bevins does, Carolyn's husband. And he did a little retirement thing. And everybody on the call was retired. And I'm just like, wait, Tony wants to retire too. And so I thought, well, all right, I'm just going to, I'll jump off and do something different. I don't have to do what I'm doing now. So I took the early retirement and thought, well, you know, what am I going to do? And so then I got a phone call from Rogers State University, and they said, oh, we hear you took early retirement. We'd love to have you come up here and teach. So what did I say? Okay. 
So I'm teaching at Rogers State University now in Claremore. Absolutely a great university. A little diamond in the rough up, up there. It's a great place to be. And so I get to impact. I have way more students. And so you know how the military always moves people around every three years? There's a method to that madness as far as our brains kind of get used to doing things. And so we change it up a little bit and that keeps your brain uh, working and keeps you fresh and keeps you energized. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm being refreshed and I'm being energized in a different way because now the nursing schools are going to two times a year admittance. And that's what we're getting ready to do at RSU. And so is TU. And then you heard about how many nursing students OU is going to take in in order to try to solve the problem of the nursing shortage. So lots of things politically going well as just taking care of people with this pandemic has really made a dent in a lot of people's hearts and lives and minds. And some people went home and rightfully so. It's been absolutely a nightmare. And so my hat's off to anybody who is still continuing to work in the healthcare profession because it is uh, been a difficult time. But again, my mantra, you need a nurse to save your life. And well, I do what I can. We're going to take just a short break right now, and uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Hello, everybody. This is Barry Williams. I'm back with Comet Talk with our special guest today, Tanya Ballone. And we've been talking about her nursing career and all of her teaching that she's done over the years. She went from, from University of Tulsa to Rogers State. She's kind of been a leader in teaching. And one of the questions I would have for her is about the power of observation and how do they teach, teach nurses to observe? I can tell you that for years now, the students, well, have to take a test at the end of their at the end of their uh, studies so whether you go to a two-year program or a four-year program you have to take the what we call the NCLEX and that gives you a passing score and then you're issued a license in the state of Oklahoma so the most terminal objectives for any of the schools here in the state of Oklahoma is it states that we will turn out safe and effective and competent nurses and make sure that, that that they are those things to ensure that the public in the state of Oklahoma are kept safe. So that's a pretty tall order if you think about it. So what over the years they have discovered is that the people who are nursing now don't know how to critically think from the standpoint of, well, the order says to give the antibiotic at this time they don't recognize that the patient is having an allergic reaction. I don't know how they couldn't recognize that, but that's what the data supports is that uh, some of the, what we call sentinel events are because somebody didn't catch it quick enough. So we changed our model and we changed it from uh, the word assessment to recognizing or noticing. What do you notice when you walk in this patient's room? What do you notice that's a change from 15 minutes ago? Or what do you notice that was a change from yesterday? So we're taking this new model and implementing it with the hopes that critical thinking will only soar and 
people will be more apt to catch something or to stop something or whatever the case may be. So it's really interesting. It's a great time for nursing education because, you know, the model has just been thrown up there. Not that this is a new model because this critical thinking push started about 15 years ago, but the literature supports that we want to continue to improve the skills, the cognitive skills that uh, students have while they're in nursing. And so we give them didactic information and then we go to the hospital. And so as faculty, we've had to also up our game to the thing of what do you notice here? What do you notice in this room? What do you notice about the patient? So you have a patient lying in a bed, yes, but what do you notice about the environment in the room as well? So it's been an interesting time and it continues to be an interesting time um, because one, we're having to change our vernacular and kind of use words that we're not comfortable with, but we also need to prepare the students so that they can take a brand new type of NCLEX. And that's very exciting because the first one will be May of 23. So we're challenged to get all of this. I'll give you a, just a quick example. The medicine is due at nine o'clock and it's a blood pressure medicine. So every nurse is taught that uh, in school that you check the blood pressure 30 minutes before you give any kind of blood pressure medicine. Okay, great. So can you use the blood pressure that the tech took at 6.30 in the morning? Can you? Obviously, no, you cannot. You have to have a vital sign within 30 minutes. So if you don't take that, you're not gonna know what it is and it's not, and so what happens? So we teach them to trend it also. You've got a good blood pressure, so you give them the medication, but their blood pressure falls really low an hour after you take it. So what do you do? Oh, let's not give it right now. Let's wait till it comes back up just a little bit. So there's a lot of thinking involved there. That sounds like a simple step, but it takes a lot of, of teaching and, and noticing and analyzing the data that you get from your patient in order to keep them safe. Because anybody whose blood pressure drops really low knows that that can cause all kinds of problems. So uh, they could fall. And so then you have a whole nother basket of problems that you have to deal with. So I, it's just a really exciting time to, to be in nursing education and to ensure that we turn out safe and effective and competent nurses. Well, that's so encouraging because I have the last uh, few years of my career, I, I developed training programs uh, around observing and then noticing, which are absolutely two, two different things. And, and this was in the industrial market space as a way of building a, a better um, industry. And I didn't, you know, it was important to us and did a lot of time, a lot of a lot of research on it, Didn't, and so I've retired, right? So, boom! Now I'm in, in some new coursework at SMU, and right out of the shoot, it's observation and noticing, and and then what do you do with it? You know, <laughs> and so you can observe. You know, a bus goes by. You just observed a bus going by, but noticing anything about that bus is a totally different different uh, thing. And then what action you take? You know, what's your what's your your response to to the noticing 
and it's just, it's an incredible incredible experience to relive it again but in a completely different setting completely different focus than an industrial uh, but uh, it's it's so encouraging to hear that you're teaching folks to observe notice and then make some choices yeah that's exactly right take action so you're You've not retired. You you are in your second career. Is that is that is your or third career? I, I yeah, my second career. As far as you know, I did ER nursing for a long time, and uh, then I went and did education at the hospital, and then I got my master's and went into nursing education, and so I'm on my third university, uh, and so I just think that there is a little bit more of. B-dubs red rules and B-dubs pearls of wisdom that I can impart on students. And so I'm going to hang in there as, as long as they'll have me. How do you start thinking about the future? What, what, what kinds of things of you are you observing now and you're going to take notice of uh, and take action on? So as, <laughs> as you start to think about the, the next adventure that Tanya is going to be on. Well, I think that this, I with by the grace of God, I think that I can teach until I'm, you know, 75 if I wanted to. Do I want to? No. But uh, I'm going to hopefully work until I'm 70 if I can. And if it gets to where my body says no, my, my brain says yes, then I'm just I will rethink it. But there's lots of things I could do. I as a side gig, I help with um, nursing questions and for a company in Germany. So uh, I could always do Scott psychics, but with my education and, and my background, I have a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things. And so I'm just very blessed in that, in that sense. But as long as I can get up and go to the hospital with the students and speak to them in, in a classroom setting as well, I'm going to keep doing it. You've heard every story there's possible and shortcuts, long, long cuts, wrong cuts. <laughs> you know, you've, you've heard it all. And I'm, I'm sure that, uh, that you just kind of grin and go, you're trying to kid, you know? Yeah, it, that is true. I did have a student say, you know, I didn't take that test online because, you know, it was, I scrolled all the way to the bottom and saw it there. And I said, really? I'm pretty sure it pops up at the top of your screen whenever you it's due, but all right. I said, I'm going to open it for you this time, but this is the only time that I will do this for you. So, uh, and she sent me a lovely sweet note saying, thank you so much for reopening the test for me. And I really appreciate it, blah, blah, blah. So uh, you have to give them grace. And yeah, I do know every line that you want to throw at me, but um, they're, they, these kids are dealing with a lot. They just deal with a lot. And uh, anything I can do to help them to achieve their goal, that's what I'm there for. So uh, you're right. You can't, you can't get much by me. <laughs> well, and that's okay. <laughs> I want to thank you for your commitment to our lives, to making us healthier and helping us survive whatever it is we're going through. It's a tremendous blessing. Um, so uh, one of the last questions I always like to fo ask folks that are um, on our conversations for our podcast is what do class reunions mean to you? Oh, gosh. I think that I am a little bit over-optimistic and, po and positively thinking about like, oh, do I have to see those people? But I was like, no, I get to see these people. I, 
I have enjoyed being with people. You know, I can. Uh, I'll use Philip C. Buhar as a uh, as one of my examples. At the ten year reunion, he came up and he, we were talking, and he said, "You know, we should play tennis sometime." And I said, "Buddy, you." talk to me all the way through high school why are you talking to me now he said so we were hanging out one night uh, last year and he goes I never said that to you Tanya and I said yes you did so we go back and forth but we have become such good friends and that would have never happened had I not gone to to the reunions and so I just think it's a really good place to reconnect with people and broaden your your spectrum and you know, we can talk about politics and we can talk about religion. Sometimes those are, are snafu, but we can all be adults and learn from one, each other. That's what the beauty of these are. And they'll avoid that if you weren't popular in high school or you weren't with the in crowd or whatever, it doesn't matter. We love you and there's a common bond and that's what that's what you're going to have to leave that baggage at the door and just come in and have a good time. These are great people. And so I just, I absolutely love the reunions. Now, am I tired when I'm done? Yeah, because I feel like sometimes I don't get to talk to everybody because I'm part of always the reunion committee. I may uh, just force myself to stop what I'm doing while I'm at the reunions, but I just love going to a table and sitting down with people I didn't know very well, and now I do, or at least I feel like I could call them and say, hey, can you help me with this? I, I just, I feel that uh, way, and I feel that I'm sad for people who don't want to stay connected to the people who are still, and I really, really, really think that we're only here on the earth for so many days, and we've already lost a lot of great people. And I don't want to miss out on one opportunity to find out who you are and what you're doing and what your mom's doing and what your grandkids are doing. I, I, I think that's important because I think every single life is important. And I want to hear what you have to say. And every day is different. And we have to be thankful that we get those days. Well, I'm going to try to uh, put that on a big tablet somewhere, you know, and we'll, we'll post it somewhere. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the the class reunion manifesto. I tell you that it's beautiful, beautiful the way you shared that and, and all the things that we've talked about today. It's been just such a pleasure, Tanya, that you've taken the time out to be with us and, and listen to our corny questions and give us some great, great responses. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, Tanya, before we, we break uh, for the end of the session, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listening audience? Please know that you, need, you do need a nurse to save your life. So if you've got nurses in your family, you're golden. Um, and we're here for you in whatever respect you need. Uh, know that the Bishop Kelly community is an awesome circle. And if you want to get in it, get in it and use it to your uh, best ability. And if you don't want to, then don't slam us. Just know that we love you regardless. And I think that every day that we're given is a gift, and that's why we call it the present. So always get up every morning and make it a good day because we're never going to get it back. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Tanya. Uh, for those listeners, uh, be prepared. We have more of these great podcasts coming. Uh, Philip Sebihar is down the, down the path, uh, so uh, you'll get a chance to hear his story. So, Tanya, you're going to learn a little bit more about Philip. Um, but once again, he's, thank such a, he, he's so smart. <laughs> he's so smart. 
Uh, you know, and we have our happy hour that we, we have on uh, with the Facebook group, uh, and, or anybody can come, and uh, it happens every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. So everybody's welcome. When we post the link for Zoom uh, out there on the, the BK uh, group uh, on Facebook. And so anybody's welcome. It's just not uh, four guys or three guys or three guys and two girls. It's everybody. Everybody is welcome. Uh, so no, no judging there. So again, thank you, Tanya, for being here with us. And I also want to thank our co-producer, John Addison, and our editor, Jim Reed. And uh, we will all see you around the corner sometime with another podcast. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Barry. Thank you, John. It was good to be with you. And thank you. It was an honor and a privilege. <laughs>